0: Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Greg continues in his sermon series called Return and Rebuild as he shares about the most awesome and definitive life-changing power that God has ever unleashed on this world. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time. Amen Impact Church. Jesus is risen. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord here this morning? Amen. Welcome to Victory Sunday. For those of you that have uh, been here for a while and you've been here for maybe say the past three months you know we've been going through expositionally the book of Ezra. And uh, we've been going through a series called Return and Rebuild, where we've been seeing the Israelites brought out of captivity in Babylon back into Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. To do more than build a building, but to actually restore and rebuild their life according to God and His Word. And that's what this series has been about watching how God has moved in them. So you might think, well, gosh, Brad, how how are we going to do an Easter message in Ezra, right? We're going to have to absolutely have to do like a little standout or something. Well, Maybe that's what we think, and that's what I thought, but God had something different in mind, because actually, we have a message for Easter out of Ezra today. Go figure, right? So you can feel pretty special to be here, because I could just about guarantee you, we're the only church in our country, and maybe on the planet, that's doing an Easter message out of Ezra. Okay? So here we go. And uh, we'll even touch on a little revelations today. How about that for an Easter message? A little something different. And uh, God's got a word for us today, so we want to dive right in. And the the title and the focus of our message today is something that we've sang about here just a a little bit ago. And whether you caught it or not, and we're going to be talking in our message today with a title called Saved by the Lamb. Saved by the Lamb. Because what we're going to address today and focus on is the most awesome and definitive life-changing power that God has ever unleashed. On this world. And we're talking about the blood. We're talking about the blood of the Lamb. More specifically, definitively, the blood of Jesus, who carried a cross up Calvary 2,000 years ago and gave his life for you and for me because he loved you so much, because you matter, because you're important, and you are worthy through the blood of Jesus to have life. So, this life-changing blood, this life-changing power is the focus of our message today because in it, and only in it, is the forgiveness and the redemption, the remission, the Bible says, of sin. Without it, we're still in our sin. Without His blood, without the power of the blood that was shed by Christ at Calvary. Because what we know, what we're going to see is, obviously, without this shedding of blood at Calvary, without a Friday there would never be a Resurrection Sunday. Because if you don't die, there ain't no need to raise again with an empty tomb, is there? His life had to be laid down. It had to be broken. His blood had to be shed. And I know that that's not a, a very comfortable and very popular thing to preach on in, in the United States of America in the churches. But you know what it should be? it should be an extremely comforting thing that's why they call it Good Friday there was nothing good in it physically but there was a lot of good in it spiritually because it changed the world it changed you it's got the potential to change your family your life your eternity there's power in the blood of Jesus he did it for you and for me and what we're gonna know and see here today is is it will never lose its power because in it Jesus finished what he started and he completed it all the way to the cross raising from the grave proving that he is God and he is alive and he is waiting for you and me to receive his free gift that he gave so that now we could raise to walk in newness of life with him let me pray for us before we dive into God's Word Dear Lord, we love you, Father. We thank you for Jesus, and Lord, we are here today to lift you up, to magnify you, to glorify you, Lord, to praise you, to fall down in our, on our knees in humility, Lord. Where we are not worthy, Father, of your gift that you gave, but Lord, you see value in all of us, and Lord, we are intricately and detailed and you made us and formed us in our mother's womb and you knew our name before we were even born and lord our name was on your mind when you were on that cross so lord we lift you high and lord right now we want to prepare our hearts and our minds father for your word today and lord i'm going to pray that your spirit fall fresh upon this place lord upon every heart every mind every every family Lord here today and Lord that you would radically shake these walls would you shake the walls of our heart father because we don't want to leave here the same we want to be different we want to be changed through the power of your blood through this resurrection through this empty tomb and the victory Lord that we can now walk forward in all because of you not because of us Lord but because of you so Lord I pray Lord that you would move in hearts and lives right now and Lord Do the work that only you could do, and you get the glory in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. If you have a copy of God's Word with you today, you can turn to the book of Ezra this Easter Sunday. Ezra chapter 6. And we're actually going to close out chapter 6 today and read verses 19 through 22. So Ezra chapter 6, verse 19 through 22, and the Word of God says this. And the descendants of the captivity kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. For the priests and the Levites had purified themselves. All of them were ritually clean. And they slaughtered the Passover lambs for all the descendants of the captivity, for their their brethren, the priests, and for themselves. When the children of Israel who had returned from captivity from the captivity ate together with all who had separated themselves from the filth of the nations of the land in order to seek the Lord God of Israel. And they kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy. For the Lord made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria toward them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel you know we see the significance of this passage where if you remember from last week the Israelites had finished the temple God had made a way and they had finished what God had started and the first thing they did was come to worship And then they got everything right and in order and they followed the lord in obedience to this passover to this festival of the unleavened bread and we're going to look at that this passover feast what was the significance of this what is the significance of this today for us as we're here on easter sunday what does the bible point to what are we looking at when we say the passover The vast majority of us as followers of Christ or people who call ourselves Christian, we're pretty deeply familiar with the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus, especially when it comes around Easter. But some of us may not be so familiar with the Passover story, and especially with its connection to the birth of Jesus, to his death and his resurrection. So let's look at it. What is... The passover we need to answer that first what is the passover we know the passover jewish holiday is uh, widely celebrated coincides with the the festival of the unleavened bread right here in this uh, in the month of nisan which is typically around april and easter for this period of this week's time and it's a widely celebrated jewish holiday that is basically commemorating and remembering the exodus When the israelites were set free from slavery out of egypt so i want you to think about that what set them free what happened what did god do to free his people because that's going to be the message in this for us as well because god did something for us at calvary to set us free so what did he do there and what is the relation and that's what we're going to look at today so if you go back to that story in, in Egypt, in this Exodus, and we don't have time to read it all. You can go back and read it later in the book of Exodus. But we know that Pharaoh, at the time, had refused God's plead for him to let his people go through Moses. You see, Moses went, uh, God went to Moses' one day and said, like, hey Moses, man, I'm gonna use you. I need you to go over there to my boy Pharaoh and tell him to let my people free. Moses like, not me. I can't talk good, you know what I'm saying? And Lord's like, boy, who made your tongue? Get up, get going. Here, take your staff and, and, get, and get scooting. And so he had to go to Pharaoh, and God prov- provided, made a way through Aaron, all right? So fulfilled some of his weaknesses. There's a great message alone in that. But he goes and, and tells Pharaoh, hey, let my people go. Let God's people go. What did Pharaoh do? Yeah, you're right. I, I, I've been holding him here. I was waiting for somebody to ask me. Yeah, here. Mm-mm. Won't that easy. Didn't do it the first time God asked him. I don't know about you, I feel like sometimes that's been me in my life. How about you? First time I knew God's asked me to do something, I was like, ah, uh-uh. What did God do here with Pharaoh? Come at him multiple times with what? Plagues, 10 of them, nasty stuff. First one, turn the water to blood, right? Remember that? Then there came the frogs and the lice, the flies, then the livestock, okay, then the boils, right, nasty stuff, hail, locusts, darkness, still didn't give in. Boy, that's stubborn, isn't it? I mean, you don't have to look at your husband, but that's stubborn. I mean, we don't listen that many times. So what did God have to do? He had to come at him a tenth time. Man, and and what did he do? It was the bad one. Now? Now? It was gonna cost him the firstborn child of every family if he didn't listen. And he didn't. So here are those plagues for God pleading to let his people free. Pharaoh would not let go. So the last plague was more serious. If you go into chapter 12 of Exodus, you can see it more definitively. Again, we don't have the time to look, but it explains how God, before this last plague came upon Egypt, he told his people, the Israelites, that they were to take a blemish-free, one-year-old lamb. Blemish-free. What does that mean? It's perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't just give me the one that's got a limp and got, you know, three legs and, you know, got ears, But No, I don't want that. It's got to be perfect. No fault in it. It's your best best one you have that's all I'll accept so you take it God said and not only that but it's got to be a male lamb hmm wonder why that is hold on to that for a little bit because we're going to see so each household was to take this male lamb blemish free and roast it over a fire with bitter herbs and then it were to eat the lamb along with this bread made without yeast therefore we have the first Passover meal all right still don't know why it's called the Passover there why is it the Passover well we know God also commanded these Israelites to take the blood of that lamb that they just killed before they ate it and they were to take that blood and they were to spread it over the sides and the tops of their door frames of their house before they ate why because something was about to happen You see, what God was going to do was send the angel of death through Egypt. And if that blood was not on the door, bad things were going to happen. But let's read verse 13 of chapter 12 there. It says, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you no destructive plague will touch you when i strike egypt when i see the blood i will what pass over you jesus shed his blood i wonder if there's a correlation you bet there is let's keep digging so we see This Passover meal, this was more than a meal. This was gonna be a way of redemption for God's people to set them free, how? By the shedding of blood. There's power in the blood of the lamb. All right, let's keep going. So these obedient homes got passed over. So when God fulfilled this final plague, the firstborn of every Egyptian died because the blood was not on their home. They didn't belong to the Lord. They didn't receive and accept his word. So they weren't covered in the blood. So they therefore, after warning, after warning, after warning, after warning, fell to God's wrath. But God didn't want it to happen that way. That's why he warned, and he warned, and he warned, and he warned, and he warned again, and he warned again. And in man's stubbornness, they disobeyed you think somebody would start screaming hey pharaoh man you better do this man i'm we're hurting over here we got bugs and flies and locusts and frogs and all kinds of junk in our house you better listen to moses nobody put no pressure on that guy nobody and it ended very bad so then the israelites were commanded to commemorate the passover as a festival to the lord for generations to come therefore that's what we see here these israelites doing coming out of captivity back to jerusalem rebuilding the temple they're following in the generation to come festival to the lord remembering the passover what god has done so today what is our connection then you probably could already guess some of it what is our connection between the passover and the real meaning of Easter because I don't know if you know this Easter is not about a bunny and an egg right M. Easter is about a risen Savior who gave his life and bled and died was slaughtered for you for me so what is the connection one Let's go back to what i told you to hold on that thought a second ago a male lamb why would it have to be a male lamb if any of you have a degree in sheep you know that a lamb could be either a male or a female when it's young under a year old okay so most times when the sacrifice was given it could have been either or it just had to be spotless blemish free had to be the best this time it was very specific this one had to be a male why Could it be that all arrows of this were pointing to Jesus? You bet. Could it be that every single book from Genesis to Revelation, all the arrows point back to Jesus? You bet. It's a precursor of what was to come, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the male Lamb of God, who would shed his blood for the redemption of all mankind so when we're covered in the blood, the wrath of God will pass over us and judgment day are you covered in the blood are you covered in the blood what's the second connection between the Passover and this real meaning of Easter when Jesus died the Gospels tell us was during the Passover you think there's any significance to that you bet there is, all the way down to the time when he died. He died around the third hour, which was roughly around the time the lamb would be slaughtered for the Passover feast that night. You think God isn't screaming from his word? It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture of Christ coming, the lamb of God. So, Jewish festival holiday, they keep it really well. As followers of Christ, we're not commanded in God's word to to continue celebrating this Passover, okay? Why? We look, we see the Lord on the night before he went to the cross. What did he do? He ate the Passover meal with his disciples, did he not? What did he do? He told them about the new covenant that was going to be made he told him that now this bread you've been eating this unleavened bread without yeast in it this is now my body it's going to be broken for you every time you eat it do it in remembrance of me not that lamb back in egypt now because of me because i'm the lamb of god now this this wine this doubly diluted wine, by the way, okay, because some people will look at us be like, yeah, man, celebrate Jesus, bloop, 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 no, uh-uh, uh, first of all, we go back, wine, and that time was diluted three parts water to one part wine, otherwise it moved into the category of strong drink, okay, so let's get that straight, during the Passover, according to Josephus, the historian of the time, a first century historian, that's Josephus, by the way, not Bocephus. right, it wasn't Monday night football time back then, just Josephus, the historian, they doubly diluted it for the Passover meals. So they weren't there to get the buzz and to get drunk. They were there to commemorate something. Okay, let's get that straight. And they would take this wine now that would represent his blood. This bread that would represent the body that was broken. This wine that would represent the blood that was shed. Do this in remembrance of me. So now there's this new covenant where I'm the lamb that's going to set you free. Jesus prophetically saying and knowing what he was about to do and go to the cross and die for the sins of the world so that we could be covered in the blood and be passed over on Judgment Day beautiful picture of Christ so until we truly understand the power of the blood and the purity of the blood that was shed along with the purpose and the protection by the blood until we understand that we will never truly understand the real meaning of Easter or God's plan for mankind you see this crimson stained blood trail began way back in Genesis this wasn't just something new come lately at the crucifixion day this was Prophesized that even pointed to by things in the old testament that we'll look at briefly to see god's hand pointing to jesus the whole time the cross was the destiny for jesus even from the beginning say how do you say that brad revelations 13 verse 8 that second part of that verse says the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world what the lamb capital L lamb talking about Jesus that was slain from the foundation of the world Jesus wasn't slain in Genesis 1. that didn't happen until hundreds and hundreds of years later what does it mean it means everything 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 was pointing to Jesus and getting ready for the capital L lamb that would set the people free If you look at the sin of Adam and Eve, first man and woman that disobeyed God and sin entered mankind, what did God have to do when they sinned? He had to cover them because of their shame. Remember that? So now they were ashamed of of their nakedness because of their sin. What did he cover them with? Animal skin. What did he have to do? Shed blood. Had to kill an animal because of sin. So you see God starting to set this precedent that innocent blood had to be shed in the forgiveness of sin for the guilty. And you see God setting that fast forward now to the cross, right? When Jesus was was beaten, was flogged, was whipped, was bleeding and he carried his cross up Calvary. What was that? That was the just dying for the unjust that was the innocent slaughtered for the guilty and it was a beautiful picture of redemption that god was going to set his people free with hebrews nine twenty two says without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sin it's impossible so without the blood of jesus our preaching would be in vain wouldn't it think about that without the blood of jesus the church would just be a waste of your time. We might as well just be a Moose Lodge or a country club that just provides social opportunities for its members if there wasn't no blood. So why is that so offensive to talk about the blood of Christ? Why is it not talked about so frequently? I mean, people touch on it, pastors touch on it and move, touch on it and move. Why not the in-depthness? Why not the purpose of the blood? seems like we don't mind offending God in America but we don't want to offend a person no man we're going to sugarcoat that gospel make sure everybody stays in them seats and comes back next week I'm not going to offend anybody with God's word hey God's word should be offensive because we're sinners right at heart we're we're living in depravity so our God's word is, is, is wholesome to us because it convicts us that's the part people don't like but that conviction is a loving heavenly father wanting to wrap his arms around you and guide you in the right path it's not a condemnation message that's from the enemy that says you're worthless you're no good see i told you you're a failure see i told you you've jacked it up you're never going to amount to anything that's not what the bible does that's not god's word that's a message from the enemy that wants to tell you that God wants to say, yeah, you've messed it up. This is the path that I want you to be on. Let me strengthen you, help you, provide you my spirit and my power within you so that now we can get it right together. That's it. Why would we run from that? We embrace that everywhere else at work. We would love it if our boss just didn't fire us and get rid of us. Boom! Get out of here, boy, you messed up. We would love it when the boss comes and kind of guides, hey, maybe I didn't train you right. Hey, this, this is how we do it here. This, do, can I get you any more tools to do this? This, blah, 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 blah. You see what I'm saying? We would embrace that. We embrace that on the baseball field when little Johnny strikes out, the coach will say, man, get out of here. Get back to the car, you stink. No, we want the coach to go, hey, Johnny, man, you're not holding the bat right, dude. Hey, you know, you, you gotta. if you're right-handed, you got to stand on the other side of the plate. You, you're doing stuff wrong here. You, you've got to keep your eye on the ball. You can't be watching the butterflies while the ball is coming. I mean, you want the coach to help coach your kid and guide them into what? Correcting what they're doing wrong. Why don't we want that with, with dad? Why would we run from this? This wants to help you. This wants to give you life. This wants to make your life better so that you miss out on the pain and destruction and the addictions of the world. This isn't trying to like not give you a good time. This is trying to heal you and give you hope, purpose. Don't run. Don't run. I know it hurts sometimes, but it's truth and it gives life. There's power in the blood. Without it, the church would be useless. You look back through the Old Testament. You even have more examples. Look at Cain and Abel, and we know Abel offered a sacrifice of an animal, and the aroma was pleasing to the Lord. But you think about that for just a minute. Cain, on the other hand, offers his sacrifice of of wheat and works of his hands to the Lord, and it was not pleasing to God. Why? Why? It's not what God had commanded. Plus, what Cain had offered was the work of his hands, so he kind of gave a little bit to God and kept some for himself. You see, God wants all of you, not some of you. Did you know that? God wants all of your heart, all of your life in total surrender to him, not just pieces, so that it wasn't pleasing to God when Cain just brought part. But Abel had the whole animal, the best, sacrificed and had to give it all. And it pleased the Lord, again, pointing To the blood that had to be shed for forgiveness of sin but then also pointing to the fact that God doesn't ever look from the works of yours and my hands to try to gain acceptance and justification or redemption in his eyes you'll never do more good things than bad in your life anyway so why even try you won't the Bible says that our our righteous acts that means our works the things we try to do good are like filthy rags to the Lord Because why? Because we're still sinners at heart. So many people are so mistaken, and they're trying to just be a good moral person so they can get to heaven. And I'm gonna tell you right now, there's gonna be a lot of really good moral people in hell because they weren't covered in the blood, because they never surrendered their heart and life to Jesus who wants to give them life. You look to Abraham in the Old Testament. We know what God asked him to do. Check this out. What would you do if God asked you to sacrifice your only child. What? Sacrifice Isaac? What, what? 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 Hold, hold up! Sacrifice Isaac? Why? You said you said you said I was going to be the father of many nations. What do you mean? Boy, you better really hear from the Lord if you go do something like that, don't you? I want you to see the face? So so here's Abraham taking Isaac to the altar in blind faith, not understanding about to drive the dagger, and the angel comes and stops, and says, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Stop the bus!" Hey, I see now that your faith and your actions are aligned with God. And God is pleased with you. So now what did God do? What did he do? He provided what? A ram. He provided a sacrifice in place of of Isaac. He didn't want Isaac. He He wanted Abraham's heart. And he knew he had it. So then he provided this ram. Think about that for just a minute. Why a ram? Again, for those of you that have a degree in sheep, what's a ram? A ram is an adult sheep, all right? An adult male sheep. Why not a lamb this time? Well, adult male sheep. Think about this. Who is gonna come and sacrifice his life at Calvary? An adult male lamb of God. God provided a ram, again, arrows pointing to Jesus the whole way. It's a beautiful picture through God's word. Again, that shedding of blood for the remission of sin. So when the death angel that day of the Passover came and saw the blood, he went on by. But if he did not see the blood, that unfortunate family experienced the pain of death of the firstborn. And the Bible says there was tears shed and there was crying that was heard all across Egypt. I couldn't imagine the pain and the hurt. But, but even inside that, Get this message. For those that were covered in the blood, there was nothing but peace, fellowship with each other and with God, and security. The blood of Christ is our Passover security the wrath of God will pass over us because of the blood of Christ if we surrender to him and repent and fall under that blood and let it wash over us have you done that that's why there's power in the blood the blood of Jesus is Satan's greatest fear he doesn't want you anywhere near it he doesn't want you to hear this message he didn't want you here today he didn't want you to hear this and what the purpose is why because he knows that once it's over you he doesn't have you anymore he's lost you revelations chapter 12 verses 10 through 11. that passage talks about how salvation has come and power has now come the authority of the messiah has come And then it talks about how our accuser, that would be Satan, the accuser of the brethren, the brothers and sisters, the accuser of God's people. Day and night, that passage says. Think about that. Satan is constantly accusing you and his divine forces day and night to God. Don't you think about that. That's what scripture says. The accuser now is hurled down, is thrown down, Revelation says. How? What defeated him? how was he defeated the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony there is power in the blood of jesus there is power over the enemy because of the blood of jesus there is power in the blood to even give you a testimony because without the blood you wouldn't have a testimony because it's not about you anyway it's about jesus It gives the testimony, and through that blood, we have power to overcome. So without the blood of the lamb, there's no defeat of evil. There's no remission of sin. There's no cleansing of all unrighteousness in the eyes of God. The blood is what sets the captives free. It's the blood of Christ that guarantees our salvation. And it's a beautiful thing that Jesus did on Friday. I hope you're starting to really see it and get the weight and the gravity of what Jesus did. The blood cancels the sting of death from our sin. Isaiah chapter one verse 18 says, that though our sin be like scarlet, it shall be as white as what? Snow. The purifying blood of Christ. And once you're truly in Christ, You've surrendered your life. You've repented of your sin, and you've made Him Lord of all. There's a shift that happens in your life. You're not driving the plane no more. You see, I saw a shirt years ago. Some of you may be familiar with it. it says, "Jesus was my co-pilot, but the plane crashed." Well, man, I know why the plane crashed. You driving the plane, dummy? You're letting the one that's all-knowing, all-powerful, omniscient, omnipresent, you're letting him sit on the side and you drive the plane? How many of you, if you had no clue how to drive a plane, would sit in the, in the driver's seat and let a well-trained pilot sit beside you and go to sleep? Not unless you want to die. There's a lot of buttons in them things. But we do that spiritually, don't we? We say, no, God, I got this. I don't care what your word said. you, ah, I got this. I'm gonna live my life for me the way I wanna do it. And the plane goes down, and then we wonder why. But God, I was in church. But God, I I, I listened to them Christian radio stations. But God, I, I memorized some scripture. But God, I did a few devotions. But did you ever surrender your heart and life to Jesus and truly get covered in the blood? there's no salvation in church membership it's not in the Bible there's no salvation in church attendance it's not in the Bible it's a great place to be it's where you should be but that doesn't save you what saves you is a heart justified only by the blood of Christ and surrendered completely to him so many people are going to miss it so many people just think it's just so easy I'm just going to go cruising, waltzing on into heaven. Oh, Jesus, what's up, man? Whoo, let me in. I believed in you. Remember that prayer I said way back, uh, I forget what year it was. Uh, but I went to church, song, and I, I believed, I believed. I know you're God the whole time. And I just thinking, I'm just going to cruise on in. But Matthew seven twenty-one through 23 is a very scary piece of scripture, guys. It says... Jesus' own words, not everyone that calls me Lord will enter my kingdom. What? Jesus said many, not a few, many will come to me in that day and say, but Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons and perform miracles? And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. But, 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 don't you remember I I taught a Bible study I led a life group I was an elder I was a pastor for goodness sake what do you mean what do you mean I I believed in you I prophesied in you I taught your word I I did what I, I what what's the difference your heart God knows your heart you can't play games with him a lot of people playing games and they think they're just going to cruise right on in after living life the way they want living for the things of the world but just claiming jesus and put them in their backpack i'm just going to carry you through life all the way to the gates and god's going to say no 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 your spot's that way and i think there's going to be a lot of tears and wailing just like there was in egypt that day Because people are going to be like, what do you mean? (laughs) Playing games. Because once you're truly in Christ, he's driving the plane. He's the authority over your life. It doesn't mean you won't mess up, but you're not making excuses for it no more. You're trying to get it right through the power of Christ in you. It's not by trying harder, it's by trusting more. That's what God wants to do for you. The Bible says when you're truly in Christ, and you're under that blood, In Psalm 103, that he's cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. Think about that. In Hebrews chapter eight, it says that God says, if you're truly in Christ, that he remembers your sin no more. What? Your mother-in-law may remember, but God doesn't. (laughs) It's under the blood. He's passed over you. Are you under the blood? don't run from it that's what Jesus said in John 14 6 he said I'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me why would he say such a thing does that mean that he was some religious bigot or he's closed minded like the culture wants to tell us when we try to say that stuff today does that mean that he just didn't want to give anybody else a chance No. it meant that only he was the blemish-free, spotless male lamb of God that was sufficient for the sin of all mankind. And he is the only bridge then from mankind back to a relationship with God. There's not multiple ways to heaven to God. I don't care what Oprah said. There's only one bridge back to Jesus. Are you on it? The Bible says that it's narrow only a few find it broad is the road to destruction and many are on that one but only a few find it he's the only way there is no other will you surrender to his Lordship today he broke the curse of sin for eternity with this new covenant where he shed his blood at Calvary and gave his life. Because he's on the cross and he said it is finished. He means it's finished. It's done. Your and my debt is paid in full. If somebody came up to you today and said, man, I wanna pay off all your debt. You don't have to do nothing for me in advance. I don't expect anything. I just want you to accept this gift here it is would you say no thank you how many people say no thank you to the debt of their sin paid in full when Christ paid it all John 1 John the Baptist looking at Jesus says behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world prophetically looking at Jesus knowing that he was the Messiah saying this is the capital L Lamb of God who's about to die for the sin of the world and yet Jesus was right there in front of so many people's face right in front of them and they didn't believe why is that it seemed it might seem kind of peculiar until you really think there's so many people in our world today that even walk in and out of church doors every Sunday and the word of God is preached and put right in front of them and and the truth is put in front of them and the Bible says that many when sound doctrines preached will get up and leave and they'll run to the teachers that tickle their ears And, and, and we think somehow how could Jesus be right in front of people and they not believe and live for him the same way the word of God is constantly put in front of us right in front of our face and we deny it and walk away from it we surrender to his lordship today Paul talking to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Christ, our Passover, capital P, was sacrificed for us. Do you think there's a link between Jesus and the Passover? You betcha. He's our capital P Passover, sacrificed at Calvary. That's what we celebrate at Easter. And then, yes, an empty tomb. 29 times in Revelations, Jesus is called the Lamb, capital L. So i want to take you right now to Pilate's courtyard as we get ready to close. Jesus has been taken from a place of prayer in Gethsemane, and he's been taken to a place of persecution, falsely accused. The people wanted Barabbas. You can have Jesus. Pilate washed his hands, sent him over. Now, while he's in the jail, put a robe on him, mocking him, pulling his beard out, put a crown of thorns on his head, spitting on him, pull him out, flog him, send him out in the courtyard to the whipping post, like this picture. And they begin to whip him with a cat of nine tails. What's that? That's this whip with nine tails on it. Go figure. And it's got bone pieces of metal, whatever they had, rock, jagged edge stuff on the ends, and it would rip into the flesh and rip it off. They beat him with it 39 times. Why 39? Because 40 was considered death. Just one shot. You see, they wanted him to suffer. And I want you to think, this was the punishment due us for our sin. And they continue to beat him until after the 39 then he's laying on the ground the lamb of god the bloodshed for our sin and we try to make excuses for it like it's no big deal i've done it haven't you try to argue with god well well, god i i I do that i act that way because uh you know uh-uh. and that's the penalty that was due and the blood was shed and then they weren't done so they took him from there and they put him after his face was bloodied they put his crown of thorns back on his head bloodied and covered and then they made him carry his cross on all those wounds those flesh wounds there's stinging wounds you had to put a wooden cross with splinters on it and carry it well the whole time people are mocking him spitting on him but somehow people are confused and think that sin's not a big deal that we can have our sin in Jesus too And then once he got up that hill of Calvary, they laid him on that cross, and they put the nails in his hands and his feet. Beaten, bloodied, and then they stood that cross up and let it fall in the hole. Boom. With all that pain, with all them wounds, and he had to sit there for hours and die a suffocating, painful death because of my sin and yours. How dare we make excuses for it? Lord, forgive us. It's the just dying for the unjust. It was Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what he did for you while you're still spitting in his face with an open invitation to come and be washed under the blood so you could be set free too so that you could be passed over why would you run from that gift john 15 13 says greater love has no one than this Did he lay down his life for his friends will you fall under the blood of christ today the redemptive blood of Jesus I read Isaiah 53 5 through 10 as we close we'll read it out of the NIV starting with verse 5. but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed This is isaiah written hundreds of years before jesus went to the cross by the way for those of you that don't know that this is god's word that's true it's defendable it's accurate verse six we all like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to our own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all he was oppressed and afflicted yet he did not open his mouth verse 10 you ready for this one yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer why because god cannot tolerate sin he cannot exist in the presence of sin so at the point where all of our sin was placed upon jesus upon the cross it pleased the father to wound him for every evil thing we've ever thought for every evil thing we've ever said for every evil thing we've ever done for every Innocent life of a child that's been aborted in a womb for every single thing we've ever done for every act of sexual immorality outside God's law He punished his son for every act of of homosexuality for every addiction for everything where we have deviated and all like sheep have gone astray he wounded his son because of sin Jesus paid the price so now that blood was shed so that there could be a Passover, a capital P, Passover at Judgment Day for you and me. Have you received that gift? The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. It's empty. Why? Why is it empty? Because He's God? Yep. Yeah, he's God in the flesh. He's not just a man. A man would be dead and still in that tomb. He's God in the flesh. So that tomb's empty. Why else is it empty? I want you think about that. God didn't have to roll away the stone to let Jesus out. God rolled away the stone to let us see in to let us see that he is who he said he is and that he is God and that he is the lamb of God he is the passover lamb that died for the sin of the world and he's rose in victory without friday there wouldn't be a sunday there's victory sunday here the tomb is empty and we can have that same victory in our life but without that shedding of blood there would not be a sunday And even in reverse, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul told the church at Corinth if Christ did not rise from the grave, then our faith is futile and we're still in our sin. Think about that. God finished the mission, proving that He is God, proving that He is sufficient. And He's inviting you to come and receive Him and have a relationship with Him. Revelations chapter 1, 17 and 18. I close completely with this. John the Revelator speaking and he says and when I saw him meaning Jesus I fell at his feet as dead but he laid his right hand on me saying to me do not be afraid I'm the first and the last I am he who lives and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore amen And then he says this, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. Mm. I want to tell you something, church. Jesus has some keys. He wants to set you free today. You don't have to feel the sting of death and the torture of an enemy who wants to come and steal and kill and destroy your life. He wants to set you free and give you life to the full. Will you surrender to his lordship today? Stop playing games with God. It's not about just doing church, going to church, checking off the box. That's not it. Are you surrendered to the Lord today? Let him come and wash over you and set you free. Jesus has some keys to what's about to destroy you why would you turn him down there's victory ahead for you and your family and possibly for people around you at work and school and everything as they see the light of christ shine through you through the change and redeemed life that you'll live in him there's life for everybody why would you turn down the keys that he gained victory over at calvary and with that empty tomb are you saved by the lamb if not what are you waiting for today's the day of salvation let's close our eyes let's bow our head if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to jesus i want you to do it right now maybe you've been in out of church before man you've heard messages similar to this and You know, you just kind of walked away and eh, whatever. And it it hit you for a moment, but you left. But but maybe this one today just kind of hit different. And the Lord's speaking to you. And the Lord's calling you. Because make no mistake, no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. Is the Lord drawing you today? Don't run away from it. Don't turn from it. you got to ask yourself, how many more times will the Lord draw you? Is this your last drawing are you gonna lose your life soon none of us are guaranteed tomorrow when's your last calling by the Lord you can't come to him on your own it's only when he calls will you call will you answer that call today if he's calling don't don't hang up the phone just say yes right now to Jesus I'm gonna lead you through a prayer from your heart to God's heart. And I wanna make it very clear that this is not some magic hocus-pocus prayer. Praying these words by themselves do not save you. It's about your heart, Romans 10, 9 and 10. The Bible says it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Will you confess him as Lord, but will you trust him with your heart and surrender all to him right now today? That's what it's about. If you're here today and you say, Brad, I, I've previously walked with the Lord and man, lately I've just, I've lost that fire. Man, I, I'm, I've grown cold and man, I've, I, I've deviated. And today I wanna come running back to the cross today. I wanna be set back on my feet and restored and renewed to the hope of the cross. And I wanna rededicate my life today. If that's you, I'll invite you to pray this same prayer right now and do business with God from your heart to God's heart. So in this place to receive him for the first time or to rededicate your life right now just say, dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of you, my Savior. Lord, I've messed it up, and I'm tired of living life on my own. I'm worn out, and I'm searching, and I'm empty. So, Lord, today I'm surrendering all. Thank you for the gift of your Son at Calvary. Thank you for this word today that's opened my eyes to the significance of what you did for me because you love me so much that you broke your body and shed your blood for me so that I could be passed over so that I could be forgiven and you paid the debt that was due me so Lord now in turn I want to surrender my life to you thank you for raising from the grave three days later proving that you're a god in all victory over hell death and the grave and lord right now i want that same victory right now in my life lord i'm asking for the keys for you because my commitment from this day forward every day of my life i will live for you you're the pilot now and i'm going to sit in the passenger seat amen if that's you and you prayed desperately to god right now today and you've meant business with no one looking around right now i want you to pretend like there's nobody else here it's just you and god in this tent is it i'm not even gonna look if you prayed today and you meant business with god and you received him for the first time or you rededicated your life to him Boldly and unashamed of Jesus, with nobody looking around, I want you to raise your hand. Brad, I prayed that prayer. I meant business with God, and I'm not ashamed of Jesus. He's Lord of my life, and I'm covered in the blood because I'm going to be passed over. Amen. You can put your hands down. Amen. Impact. Can we give Jesus a big round of applause in this place? He is risen. He is Lord. He is the Lamb of God that was slain for the redemption of all mankind. Once we're under the blood, that we can say like Paul did in Galatians 2.20, for I also have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave his life for me. Go make an impact for Jesus this week. Happy Easter. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work, and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ.